The following podcast has been rated TVMA, NSFW, R, and NC-17, so it is not safe for kids. Put your children to bed. You spend enough time with them anyway. Say, friend. Hey, mate. Sup, guy? You there. I'm talking to you. Are you looking for a way to have fun that's safe and socially responsible? Of course you are! Just because we're all shut in to avoid spreading a deadly pandemic doesn't mean we can't have a good time doing it! Why not spend an evening with Chicago's most trusted best liqueur, Jepson's Malort? Its unusual full-bodied flavor is a taste savored by two-fisted drinkers. So, if you think your two fists are strong enough, why not grab a shot of the only booze ballsy enough to let me rip on it and powerful enough to keep even the most maskless troublemaker a good six feet away? So, if the lockdown's got you down, why not have a shot of Malort? If you're going insane, self-isolation is lame. Just do a shot of Malort. Malort, aiding in social distancing since the 1930s and proud sponsor of Chad the Podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. What's going on, America? It's me. I'm talking to you. Um, I know you, you're confused because the way we got this set up is we got a commercial going in to me and the person in the commercial previous was me. So I'm like, yeah, it's probably a little confusing. We're, we're doing some changes. Things will be changing. Lots of stuff is changing. Um, we also have to change the end of that Malort commercial because uh, self-isolation is slowly coming to a close. On a, on a, like a global scale. Like, cause like, we'll still isolate from time to time. Like, flu season... Um, when allergies start up again, St. Patrick's Day, we'll, we'll all still isolate is sporadically, but like mass isolation is slowly coming to a close, which is a lot to think about and a lot to, to process and a lot to, um, be a part of and be in, in history and in, in the now. So like, I don't have anything written for the open of this episode. I'm just talking. I'm just going to talk for a minute. And then when it's over, we're going to do a classic uh, vintage old school one from back in the day. But before we do that, I've got news and I just want to rap with you for a minute and rap with you like, like talk, not like I'm going to lay down some fat beats and I'm going to see what kind of, you know, flow you got. Um, so for those of you who've been following the journey, you know that Back in the day, and I mean like the before times, there was a show I used to be a part of called The Paper Machete. And that was at the Green Mill Lounge in Chicago, which is a famous haunted gangster bar. And we would do this um, kind of like This American Life meets um, The Daily Show meets The Muppet Show, kind of a 60s happening in a drunk bar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was every single Saturday for, I mean, I want to say... A good 10 years of this little bird's existence. Four of those years, I would capture that and put it on the birdcast, which is what you're listening to right now. The last year, um, I don't know, something happened. You may remember, you may not, but you should, because that's called drama. Everything shut down. And for the first time in like a decade, I didn't do that show every Saturday. 
Now, I know that sounds petty, but like it also changes how you think and how you feel because routine is a routine. And sometimes when you break routine, you can jump right back on the train. But when you break routine and then change and then never go back to it, that becomes your routine. So now the routine is different. So the routine for me during the lockdown life would be I would Zoom with my buds to make sure everybody was okay. And in the first half, it was a little... But you can go back and listen. I mean, there's enough episodes. You'll get the vibe. But it was mostly just me talking on a computer to somebody uh, via the magic of the internet that saved our lives. All hail, all praise, much love. And that was it. That was every day. That, I mean, well, not every day. That was every Saturday for, um, you know, a year and change. So then this last week, I got the word from the higher ups that the paper machete is coming back. We're going to do it live again at the Green Mill every Saturday at three o'clock. And it felt like somebody whipped the blanket off of me that I didn't even realize I was wearing. And I'm cold and a little jittery and a little freaked out. And what makes it even more intense, last week was my first in-face person to bird interview in a year and stuff. And sorry, I'm a little freaked out. So I'm like taking a minute and I want to make sure that you all feel this with me because this is important to feel this and go through this and get discombobulated and confused for a moment and regain composure. And remember that we're all going through this collectively all over the world. Probably not New Zealand, but just calm down. New Zealand, we get it. You're great. Last week, I got to interview my good friend, Dr. Devin Price, who I got to interview in the face last time we spoke was on a computer, and I've been dealing with that. Then after this next week, I don't ever have to Zoom again unless it's important or unless I, like, accidentally go to space or, like, Zaire or something and I got to do an interview early. And that's really hitting me hard, really hard. So I thought it would make more sense for me to open the show raw because this is kind of feeling like where we're all at. And we're going we're gonna to look back in like 10 years after this and like listen to ourselves and go, holy fuck, drama. But I think it's important right now to feel that drama because we're all going through it at the same time. So yeah, next week is going to be episode 249. And the week after that, we'll be from the paper machete again. And also my 250th episode. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of cake and a lot of leftover cake, which to me is awesome breakfast. And people like, Chad, what are you doing What's with breakfast cake? I'm like, what do you think donuts are, Terry? Don't be a dick. I'm um, feeling it. There's a lot. And there's going to be long periods of silence in between conversations that are going to sound like days, and those days are important. Because we're openly expressing 
just how grateful and tired we are to have made it, to have survived. And let us relish in all the stupid shit in between because we earned it. All right, speaking of stupid shit, we're going to go to a commercial um, for my stupid shit, which is my Patreon, which is going strong. We've got two episodes in, uh, and it's been, it's been great. We do it live uh, once a month, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. We get a bunch of comedians that send us two to three minute bits, uh, like TikTok-style weirdness, and then we string it all together, and I host it. And it's like a little bit of like a curated Tosh.0, but without the like microaggressions. So it's, it's a little safer and a little nicer. Uh, because it's Saturday morning. It's for a good time. So uh, commercial will explain better than I will because it's me and recorded and not off the cuff like this has been. And then we're going to go to a vintage classic old piece from the day, 2017, when they found and re-released a finished cut of Orson Welles' last film on Netflix, which you can watch right now. Orson Welles was working on a movie that he was busting his ass to get finished, and then he died before he finished it, and uh, then a bunch of famous directors got a hold of it, of the, like, footage, and finished it and put it on Netflix, and it's pretty good. And then watch Mank with Gary Oldman. You get your, like dad tv on where you're like ah the old days dudes in suits and everyone's smoking and jittery and there's a lot of coffee it'll make you want to do a shit ton of yoga and, and just like drink water all day so i wrote a screenplay about what happened during the making of the other side of the wind and i'm still super proud of it and we aired it way back in 2017 and you know that's gone now on like all of the streaming you know services so i had to find it from the vaults repurpose it, re-edit it. Well, I didn't really edit it. I just cleaned it up a little bit. Like, sound-wise, you're going to get the raw. Don't worry. And I'm giving it to you, which is exactly what they did with The Other Side of the Wind. So I feel like I am living that moment right now, and I wanted to share it with you. Because in two weeks, we're going to do it live. <laughs> I'm feeling uh, real hermity, and I just wanted to sit with some old footage. So please join me in doing that, after the commercial, of course. We're going to go... Back to 2017 at the Green Mill Lounge in Chicago, where I read you my screenplay about the making of The Other Side of the Wind. And then you can watch that movie on Netflix. Netflix, please give me money and be my sponsor, because this commercial could be you. Oh, hey, podcast people. It's Chad the Bird. And this is a commercial for something super cool that you should totally get into. But why me? And why you? Well, here's the deal. I have a brand new show in the works just for you that will hearken you back to a time before when things were random and all bets were off. When Ecto Cooler roamed the land and you would wake up early on Saturday mornings. Remember those days? It's been too long since we've had reason. And now here I am with you and that reason. And that reason is a brand new live action show starring me and an army of comedians, musicians, writers, actors, celebs, and randos streaming right into your desktop on Saturday mornings live. 
TV used to be wild, free, untamed by plot and point, remember? When it was just whatever the hell you got, like Halloween candy. Sometimes it's chocolate, sometimes it's a pack of chalky bullshit. Either way, that's the game. My new show will stack your pumpkin bucket with random comedy, music, spoken word, and whatever the hell people give me into 20 minutes of prime internet escape written and performed by the best of the best and the best we can afford right into your home Saturday mornings live. So join me, Chad the Bird, and donate to my Patreon now to bring back the good old days of nonsense to your Saturday mornings. Funding will help produce and maintain a monthly show that we hope to turn into a bi-monthly show, and hey, you go all ham on this and we'll go weekly. Take back your Saturday mornings, reclaim random, and give me money. Chad the Bird is my name, and my new show is all for you, podcast people. So click the link and get in on it. Is that good? You like me, cause you could go downhill. I can't promise that you love me, but you probably will. People, 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 please, no pictures, no pictures, but you're looking great. Have you had work done? Nobody knows anything, but have you eaten? Let's lunch. I heard the pitch. It's boffo, it's whammo, it's got legs, it's gonna be hot see. We'll have people call people, gonna happen. We're gonna make it happen. It's all happening, baby, bubby, buddy. It's Hollywood! Yeah. Tinseltown, La La Land, Douchelandia off the 405. And whether you're in a socko powwow over your click or you're just a shingle hustling to cover the nut, there's no doubt about it, you're in the pictures. And that's $1,000 a kiss and 50 cents for your soul in a cage for your dreams where you can't find any closeness because everyone fakes closeness so well. It's not the length of your film, it's how you use it. Movies, baby. It's the business, and there's no business like it. No business, I know. Fade in, July 2nd, 1961. Early morning, Ketchum, Idaho. Ernest Hemingway unlocks the basement storeroom where he keeps his guns. And like... Nobody keeps guns like Ernest Hemingway. In fact, if you're a gun, the best life you could imagine next to hanging off of Jason Statham as he flies through the air, carried by a shockwave from an exploded Bugatti Veyron, would be being kept by Ernest Hemingway. Anyway, fade in. Ernest Hemingway unlocks the storeroom in the basement in Idaho, grabs his favorite double-barrel shotgun that was, quote, used so often it might as well have been a friend, walks upstairs to the front entrance foyer and shoots himself. Cut to exterior, Spain, 1966. A burly bearded man sighs in a white linen blousey affair that's like half Greek trainer, half sweaty mummy as (laughs) booze cascades from his beard. We zoom out and realize, holy shit, that's not Santa's loser cousin Slavy Claus, no. That's Orson Welles, yo. The man who scared everybody with a radio into their bunkers with the War of the Worlds, who sculpted and then let loose Citizen Kane against all odds, and whose last performance was as the voice of Unicron in the animated Transformers movie from the 80s, AKA the real Transformers movie. (laughs) Fuck your Michael Bay sugar drink, kid. Get with the classics. Orson is maniacally eating a mango or something as he types furiously on a screenplay called Sacred Beasts, 
loosely based on his friendship with the now-deceased Ernest Hemingway, about an aging bullfighter who falls in love with a younger bullfighter, which, like, um, if you know you're bullfighting and that's the lifestyle, then A+. Wells is changing the character of the bullfighter to a film director because nobody likes a show-off. Write what you know, Orson. Jump cut to a banquet scene. Muckety-mucks, muckety-mucking in suits and cigars because you could smoke indoors back then. Wells now sweats into a tuxedo, drinking red wine like an Amish teenager on Rumspringer. <laughs> he addresses the crowd, quote, Our story is about a pseudo-Hemingway, a movie director so the central figure can barely see through the hair on his chest. A tough movie director who has killed three or four extras on every picture, but is full of charm. <laughs> Everybody thinks he's great. In our story, he's riding around following a bullfighter and living among him, but then he becomes obsessed by this young man who has become his own dream of himself. He's been rejected by all of his old friends. He's finally been shown up to be a kind of voyeur, a fellow who lives off other people's danger and death, End quote. The crowd is super into it. Exterior, America, 1966. Girls in miniskirts, guys in turtlenecks, and Adam West is Batman. <laughs> we see Orson back in town. The movie is now called The Other Side of the Wind, which sounds like a romance novel about buffalo farts, but you do not question genius. We see Wells change the script to take place in Los Angeles, cities of angels, and by angels I mean vodka and cocaine. Cut to 1971, Spain. Orson meets with a mysterious Spanish man who agrees to have a French-based Iranian group headed up by the brother-in-law of the Shah kick in $350,000 investments on the film. Orson sits in his hotel writing as heavy rains flood the Spanish streets. A phone rings, it's the Spaniard. The Iranians definitely have the money, man, he says in Spanish. Jump cut reveals, yes, the Iranians were investing, but in cash, and the Spaniard is pocketing it all. The rain gets stronger. Interior, hotel room. Orson decides it's time to move someplace where the Spanish rain won't be a problem. And we cut to exterior, Southwestern Studios, Carefree, Arizona. Principal photography has begun. Wells decided on actor John Huston to play the lead and films party scenes using the furniture from the Dick Van Dyke show and only shoots one side of the conversation. The other side, starring John Huston, will be filmed later. Meanwhile, the Spaniard continues to convince the Iranians that he's giving the moolah to Orson, but in reality, the cash is still in his pocket. Even sending out a fake SAG card, or SAG, to those in the know, and social security number to keep John Huston's agent from asking for an advance. Exterior, desert, night. Orson's French representative, Dominique Antoine, steps off the plane, Indiana Jones style, in Arizona. A French woman? In Arizona? How exotic! How joyous! But the news she brings is many miles from Happy Town. She tells him the news. The Spaniard lied! Orson breaks down, his tears mixing with his sweat, which is mostly Paul Masson wine. And like a lost bear in Hagrid cosplay, he cries as the desert sands blow around him. Then enter U.S. government character, most likely in a suit, definitely with a bitch in 70s mustache. He halts production because Wells has a European production company that can't be considered a production company because it's actually a holding company and Wells is taxed into the abyss of debt. 
Stakes, rising action. Montage of Wells doing various projects to pay it off. Title card, two years later. Filming resumes. Interior. Actor-director Peter Bogdanovich's Beverly Hills home. We see Orson directing Peter and John in a conversation scene, which is awesome because like up until now, it's just people talking to nothing. Cut to MGM Studios. We see a group of film students wandering around followed by a darkened van. Clearly there is nothing to see here. The camera follows the students in the van into an abandoned back lot. The van stops, the doors open, and Orson comes out, camera in hand. The students remove their disguises and reveal that they are in fact the film crew. The tension mounts as they begin to shoot more of the film in secret. P.S. All of this is true. Title card, 1975. Orson is in a new tux. He accepts his Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute, and he uses the moment to ask for more money to complete the other side of the wind. It doesn't go well. Cut to interior editing room. Dark, foggy with sadness. Orson, a broken man, probably covered in mashed potatoes. Sweatpants, begging for death. Definitely surrounded by five moviolas in a semicircle, which is a process he perfected editing his film F is for Fake. Staff assistants wondering if there'll ever be another sunrise. The phone rings. Orson answers. The news is dire. The Iranians have pulled out. They considered Orson a liability, and they are now refusing to pay him to edit the film, reducing his share of the profits from 50% to 20%, and actually tried to take away his artistic control over the final cut. Orson makes frantic calls to backers in Canada who also refuse, leaving Orson Welles, the man who changed the game himself to edit his final movie alone in the dark over the next decade. But before he can finish, he dies in October of 1985. Crossfade to exterior, Ronda, Spain, an urn with the ashes of a man Awarded two Oscars, three awards at Cannes, two Lifetime Achievement Awards, the D.W. Griffith Award, the Legion to Honor, inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame, whose film Citizen Kane is regarded as the greatest film of all time by the AFI, whose likeness was chiseled in a statue that still stands in split Croatia to this day, and whose final performance was as the voice of a planet-eating robot named Unicron, whose last line on film was, you'll never defeat me before exploding in space is laid to rest in an old well covered in flowers on the grounds of his friend Antonio Ornodes, a bullfighter. Crossfade, too. A little while back, his final days. Wells confides to his friend and former actor in his film, Peter Bogdanovich. Wells looks up, a silver sun streak on his Christmassy face. He speaks, if anything happens to me, quote, you will make sure you will finish it, won't you? End quote. Fade to black. In the dark, the words fade in. In March of 2017, the original negative, dailies, and other footage arrived in Los Angeles. It was confirmed that Netflix will complete and distribute The Other Side of the Wind, the final film of Orson Welles. And as the credits roll, we'll hear the sound of a piano playing in the distance. Finn. Well, that was just a blast from the old past. Yeah, yeah, but the past is new and here again. 
Special thanks to the Barrera Cudas for their kick-ass song, Promises, that has been taking us out on the back end through all of this. Thank you to Jepson's Malort, my sponsor, my wingman. Well, I guess technically I'm your wingman, but I will always ride in your sidecar. Thank you to you for listening throughout all of this. And thank you to Netflix for releasing The Other Side of the Wind. There you go. There's your culture for the day. Hey, next week... I'm going to have an interview with someone in the face, and then the episode after that will be the first one back. So see if I have a nervous breakdown or make it through. Either way, place your bets. I'm going to go outside for a minute and breathe really heavily, which I also think you should do yourself. And then when I come back in, I don't know, maybe I will watch some Netflix. Netflix, please sponsor me.